0: Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. I think for many people one of the challenges to believe the Bible account of creation being only you know, 6,000 years ago or so is the, the concept that the universe is very old. And uh, we read in, uh, in Genesis chapter uh, 1 on the fourth day, the uh, stars and the sun and the moon were created and so, um, you know, it seems, well, people think, well, they, they, they must have been there, you know, that, and they must be, you know, the billions of years old that uh, science claims and, you know, fits in with the Big Bang Theory and so forth. But that's, I think, one of the things is that we haven't really considered and drilled down into the evidence. And it's quite interesting that uh, recently, um, for example, in, in 2018, there were a number of discoveries that pointed to our solar system being young, very young, and you know, only, only in the order of... You know thousands, tens of thousands of years old, according to you know the day that we're seeing. And what I'm seeing in the literature, as we make more and more um, discoveries in outer space, as our ability to gather information about the properties, of our solar system, the properties of the planets, the properties of um, other stars and so forth. As we're accumulating information, what is happening is that we're creating more and more problems for astronomers to explain in terms of the standard Big Bang theories and the standard nebulae sort of theory for the origin of our solar system and so forth. And to me, this is really fascinating in that the more we delve into astronomy, the more we're learning that the data just doesn't fit any known logical, physical. Explanation according to the known laws of physics. In other words, what we're seeing is evidence of supernatural creation. And it's sort of like the more we discover the biochemistry of living organisms, we realise how impossible it is for evolution to have occurred. But of course, scientists have no other option. Uh, than either teaching pretty well the Big Bang Theory or some sophisticated similar mathematical theory um, mm-hmm. and the theory of Darwinian style, type evolution to explain the origin of the universe and how we got here. Because the alternative which is best fitting the data is creation, creation by a supernatural God. And even in the area of, um, you know, we'll look at geology, more and more data, as we understand uh, about the structure of the surface of our Earth, it's all pointing to Noah's flood was a real event, and again, only thousands of years ago when we look at uh, consider erosion rates and so forth. But what I want to talk about today was... And focus in more was the the evidence that we're now accumulating that our solar system is pretty young. It's not millions of years old, and I think this um, is 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 very important because, as I mentioned earlier, I think this whole concept that our solar system and everything is is very old um, uh, tends to yeah you know, have the effect that it weakens people's faith in the Bible, whereas really we need to have that confidence to trust the Bible account as a real account. It's making sense. Science isn't disproving the Bible. Now you know one of the there were quite a, as I mentioned earlier, a few bits of uh, information, for example, that were uh, published back in um, two thousand and eighteen. and so um, on the Carnegie Science, uh, 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 um, uh, EDU website. There was an article by S. Shepard um, uh, titled, A Dozen New Moons of Jupiter Discovered Including One Oddball. So this was published on the 16th of July 2018. And so this, the massive planet Jupiter, so is the largest planet in our solar system and it was uh, found to have an additional 12 moons, bringing the total to 79 moons, and so most of them, and that's a lot of moons when you think, but it's a very big planet. Um, Most of the moons order their host planet in the same direction as the planet uh, rotates, and so that's a prograde orbit. But um, it's interesting with Jupiter, it has a a band of outer moons that go around the opposite way uh, called retrograde orbit and so this poses a challenge for the conventional naturalistic explanation of planetary formation which is called the nebula hypothesis um, and so you may have remember learning this at school I can remember learning this in this a um, suppose that a swirling cloud of dust and gas um, accretes to form the planets and moons of our solar system. But, of course, if this were true, then all the planets and moons should rotate and orbit in the same direction, but they don't. And um, among the newly discovered moons also, there was an oddball uh, moon dubbed uh, Valetudo, um, which, um, while it's a, a prograde moon, in other words, orbiting in the uh, same direction, as uh, Jupiter is rotating um, it's actually in the, flying around in the opposite direction to its immediate neighbors and therefore you know, risking a head-on collision so this is um, you know quite um, uh, interesting and again um, the uh, it, and it's the astronomers think that you know it's a pretty unstable situation and um, it seems that if this moon had been orbiting for millions or billions of years, um, it, it couldn't have been orbiting for, the, for that long. Um, the observable evidence is that uh, consistent, that uh, in actual fact this moon system is quite young. Um, and I think it's something to do with the calculations of the risk of uh, collisions and, and so forth. So that was interesting that um, how we've got the interesting problem of the, the fact trying to explain that you've got some moons going one way and some moons going the other way, the opposite way, and um, how you've got a moon, you know, flying around in amongst these other moons that clearly hasn't collided. And um, so, again, this suggests uh, that the system is actually quite young. Another uh, surprise find that was also published in um, 2018, um, and um, this was a, an article published in uh, t- skyandtelescope.com. Um, it's by um, uh, D. Uh, Dickinson, and uh, it was uh, talking about um, studies that they were uh, doing um, using the NASA's Dawn spacecraft of the um, the dwarf planet series. And um, there was also an article um, in the same year, 2018, that can be found on Astronomy.com. Uh, by Jay Wentz, called "Volcanoes of Mud up from the Dwarf Planet series. So, Ceres is um, the the largest uh, sort of body, or in the uh, solar system's asteroid belt, um, which uh, orbits between Mars and and Jupiter. And so, um, the the NASA's Dawn spacecraft uh, made a, a fly past. And again, we have this very small planet. Well, it, it's sort of called a planet. It's really a dwarf planet. It's it's quite small. Um, it's only uh, about one point. Um, let me see, one point two eight percent of the mass of our moon. So, it's uh, you know in the in the order of about um, one you know seventieth or one eightieth of the. Uh, size of the moon. So it's quite a small little planet, but yet it shows clear signs of being very geologically active. And so um, it's uh, this is really another major problem because um, how can a planet that small, if it was really billions of years old or millions of years old, still be volcano you know, have active volcanoes. Um, uh, it would have cooled down ages ago. It wouldn't still be active. Um, now, what scientists found was that the, uh, it was, these were actually coal volcanoes where the volatiles under the surface, such as water, ammonia, and methane, are heated by volcanic activity and erupt into space where they quickly freeze due to the intense cold. And so the material that is uh, ejected is called um, uh, cryovolcanic ejecta. Um, and so uh, the scientists were able to photograph the areas where this mud was being ejected from the interior. Um, and so the mystery for evolutionists is how Ceres, which they believe to be very old, can still be so hot inside because such a small body, such a small planet, should have cooled down long, long, long ago. Now, also adding to the conundrum for the secular scientists is that given the tiny size of the dwarf planet and its alleged long age of billions of years and the amount of material that's escaping into space, all the water and other volatiles should have been used up long ago. And so... um, uh, and again, Ceres is too far away from the large planets to receive an influx of energy from any gravitational tidal type heating or this sort of thing. And so here we have, you know, major evidence for a very very young planet. Um, scientists uh, believe that uh, you know all the planetary bodies were originally molten and gradually cooled. Um, and here we have this series, a miniature world well floating around in the coldness of space. It's believed to be the same age as the solar system. And so here, um, from again, once we do some basic calculations, it appears that tiny series with its lively hot interior is no more than a few thousand years old. And of course, again, this would be consistent with the biblical account. So these are pretty exciting findings, and again, they were published, uh, you know, fairly recently, uh, just back in two thousand and eighteen. But you know, there's 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 more. There's there's so much more, and I think the planet Mercury, which is the the ti- the smallest planet uh, of the of the, what we consider the major planets in our solar system, um, actually provides quite strong evidence again for creation and young Earth. So it's one of the eight planets in our solar system. When I was a boy, we used to learn that there was uh, uh, nine planets. They counted Pluto, which they don't count now. But uh, Mercury is the smallest. It's about one-twentieth uh, of the volume of the Earth. Um, it's actually just a little bigger than our moon. And um, it was only Pluto... Uh, that was uh, considered small, but of course now it's uh, denigrated to um, a dwarf uh, planet now. And so uh, there's a moon of Jupiter, uh, Ganymede, and a moon of Saturn, Titan, that are bigger than Mercury. Uh, But yet Mercury gives us quite a lot of clues about our solar system. Um, of course, being so close to the sun, it's the first planet out from the sun. Um, it's a planet of extremes. Um, it's subject to uh, a lot of weathering from the heat from the sun and also from uh, many uh, meteorite uh, bombardments and also the interaction of uh, solar winds and so forth. Now, Mercury slowly rotates and... Um, and um, as it faces the sun, uh, the surface temperature is um, measured to be around about 427 degrees Celsius. Um, and so that would easily melt lead, for example. Uh, but on the other side, um, it's minus 173 degrees centigrade. So it's very, very cold and there's virtually no um, atmosphere Um so there's little to scatter the sun's rays and this sort of thing. So the sky over Mercury would always be be black. Um, so it's virtually uh, a, a pretty inhospitable planet. There's no seasons um, or anything um, there. It orbits the sun, you know, fairly rapidly, being a lot closer, about eighty eight Earth days. Um, but it uh, takes uh, 58.66 Earth days to rotate just once. So again, it would be pretty inhospitable to, to life. So the gravity on Mercury um, is actually only about a third of the Earth's gravity. So you could uh, jump quite a bit higher uh, on Mercury than you can here. But even though uh, it has um, it's less gravity, of course, um, because of the lower mass, uh, it is in fact quite dense. In fact, um, Mercury has the highest density of all the planets, other than Earth. Now, to explain this, Mercury is believed to have an iron core occupying around seventy five percent of its diameter, and um, However, this high density has created quite a lot of uh, problems for evolutionary models because the evolutionary models don't allow for mercury to be near as dense as it is. Um, So they used to try to explain uh, mercury's density with a large impact, uh, that some large object crashed into mercury, um, knocking out its lower-density material and leaving high-density material in its place. But, of course, there's no evidence uh, for that collision on the, the planet. Um, and um, the the only reason they stick to this is that Mercury actually disproves the nebula hypothesis for the solar system's or, origin. Again, it's, it just points clearly to unique... Uh, creation. Um, in 2011, um, the Messenger spacecraft began orbiting Mercury and um, studying a lot of its chemistry and particularly magnetism and um, and so forth. So um, the other fascinating thing that came out of this was that Evolutionists um, and long ages had thought that mercury would be an old, burned-out cinder because it's so close to the sun and it's so hot. So a lot of volatile, that is, easily vaporised elements such as sulphur and potassium should have been removed by now if it was really billions of years old. But these elements are there and detected Um And so, and again, if there had been a collision, it should have vaporised all these volatiles, and they would have escaped in the place into space. And so, again, these the presence of these volatile materials still there on Mercury, is powerful evidence that Mercury is uh, very young. The fascinating thing is that um, not only is Mercury very hot but it appears to be uh, covered in uh, brimstone or sulphur. And again, the volatile elements um, like sulphur, as I just mentioned, would have easily, um, you know, vaporised. So another thing is that um, the, the calculations that they do on the interior, again, points to Mercury having much higher content of these volatile uh, materials. And so there's a whole lot of facts about or data that we've got now about Mercury's chemistry that are to- totally um, inconsistent with um, you know the old theory. So what we've actually measured on the planet's surface doesn't fit with the old-fashioned, chemical theories for the origin of, um, of uh, Mercury. I guess one of the really Im- important uh, aspects was that when the Mariner 10 uh, spacecraft back in the 19 mid-1970s um, flew past uh, Mercury, it detected that Mercury had a magnetic field. And that was very unexpected. It really contradicted the evolutionary expectations. Because if a small planet like Mercury were billions of years old, the secular model says that it should no longer have a magnetic field. It would have died away. Just like, for example, our Earth's magnetic field is declining. Um, It's declined about 10%. Over the last hundred and fifty years, or thereabouts, and um, where we've been able to do, you know, quite accurate measurements, and it's uh, decaying, so it's part of an exponential decay. Um, and this is again powerful evidence that the Earth is not that old, because if we extrapolate back the strength of the Earth's magnetic field, and we've, we've got a lot of data in between the, you know, the mid eighteen hundreds and now. A lot of accurate measurements of the Earth's magnetic field have been made. So we can actually plot the trajectory. We can use mathematics to look at the curve and estimate what the shape of the curve was in the past. And that gives us extremely high values for the Earth's magnetic field, which would generate very high temperatures on the surface of the Earth if it were really millions of years old. And this is the sort of data where you know evolutionists and anthropologists and this sort of thing are not, you know, it seems not speaking to one another. We have this clear evidence that the Earth can't be millions of years old from the Earth's magnetic field data, which is something we can measure now, we can plot it, and so forth. And, um, And it just blows away again... Um, this old, real long ages for Earth. You know, just like the carbon-14 data does, where we find carbon-14 in diamonds that are supposed to be billions of years old. They shouldn't have any detectable carbon-14, and yet the carbon-14 that we measure in diamonds is, you know... Uh, well above the detection levels of the mass spectrometers and so forth, so there's no doubt about it being there. And again, with the half life being only five and a half thousand years, again this points to a very young age, only thousands of years, for the um, age of the uh, of the Earth, or tens of thousands of years max. And so, again, this is another classic uh, problem um, that um, with mercury having this quite strong uh, magnetic field, uh, that, again, it can't be um, the billions of years old. So they've suggested, uh, you know, the evolutionists have attempted to get round this problem by proposing that mercury's core um, must also contain sulfur that allow, would allow it to stay unfrozen and supposedly remain to generate a magnetic field. However, this solution... Um, to one problem created another, even larger problem. As mentioned earlier, uh, the new nebula hypothesis says that mercury can't contain volatile elements like sulfur. So in trying to explain mercury's magnetic field with sulfur inside, the evolutionists were discrediting the nebula hypothesis itself anyway, the very idea they were trying to protect. It's quite uh, fascinating. Um, when uh, messenger... Uh, flew past Mercury in 2008, 2009, the field seemed to have decreased in strength by a few percent. So here again we have several percent, or well, a few percent decline in the Earth's magnetic field between 1975 and 2009. And so there we're looking at about um, you know, 34 years or thereabout. You know, a three percent a few percent, so'd be three or so percent decline. So this is totally incompatible with a multiple millions of years scenario. And so they were concerned about this because again, these measurements are powerfully pointing to Mercury being very young. Um, so they checked it again. In two thousand and eleven, More measurements were made that revealed a huge 7.8 decrease in the strength since 1975. And so this decrease is astonishing fast for something as big as the planet's magnetic field and shows that the magnetic field and hence Mercury itself cannot possibly be billions of years old. You know... um, it's interesting that, uh, you know, quite a few decades ago, a creationist physicist, Dr. Russell Humphreys, developed a planetary magnetic field model based on the biblical assumption that God created the planets about 6,000 years ago and that they began as spheres of water. And he further supposed that God created hydrogen atoms and, Adams, um, from every water molecule with nuclear spin aligned, forming a massive magnet, and therefore this decayed. And in 1984, he used this model to predict the magnetic field strengths of Uranus, Neptune, and Mercury. His Uranus and Neptune predictions, radically different from the evolutionary based ones, were demonstrated to be astonishingly accurate when Voyager 2 visited these planets in 1986 and 1989. And Mercury, Uh, Humphreys had predicted a decrease in field strength of 1.8% by 1990 compared to the measured field strength and that would equate to a four to six decrease in 2011. So it turned out that Mercury's field was decreasing even faster than Humphreys had predicted but it was very close. So it's interesting that the creationist um, theories can be used to explain Um, a lot of the properties of these theories of these planets and definitely the young age scenario. So when we consider this, when we consider the best data that we have now out there, we can see that it fits the biblical account. So here from astronomy, we have this first-class evidence from the satellites that fits a young solar system. I find this really, really assuring, really, really assuring. And um, I'd like to encourage listeners too to you know tell other your friends and other listeners about this program. Um, Faith and science. Uh, remember you can google uh, the program um, by uh, googling 3ABN Australia, that's all one word, word.org.au and click on the radio button, and then look for the faith and science menu. And you can scroll down and see lots of the programs. And I've tried to, um, wherever possible, uh, put the uh, read out uh, the references so that, again, you can re-listen to the program and go and check out those references. But it's important to... If you can, to put these links up on your social media pages. Tell other people about it, so other people can have the assurance that we can really believe the Bible because it has that important account of how we are to be saved for eternity through Jesus Christ our Saviour. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day.